Finn. Welcome to Finn's Fish Tales. These are my stories. I made them all up. Hello and welcome to the second part of The Patriots. It's a six-part story which I'll be releasing on a weekly basis. Uh, I really appreciate the feedback I've been getting and I hope you enjoyed the story so far. This is part two of The Patriots. Thank you for listening. The Patriots, part two. With dark wooden panel walls varnished with tobacco smoke and age, Grogan's in the early evening is a vibrant pub, if dimly lit, and most of the regulars prefer it so. Narrow beams of light creep in unwelcomed from small windows running along the top of the wall facing the bar. It resides in the heart of the city, just south of the River Liffey, and counts the famous and infamous among its regulars. At the bar, a man is being hassled by an irate, bespectacled man, tall and in a fine grey suit. I may have paid for a canary and received a canary, but it only has one leg. What did you want, a singer or a dancer? The man quips wryly. Leo, Eddie and Connor are seated at a table just inside the door, the nerve centre of the pub, close to the counter and next to the phone. Both staff and regulars play answering service should it ring with a job or an irate spouse looking for the whereabouts of a stray partner. They each order a pint and a cheese toasty. It's a well-known fact that Grogan served the best cheese toasties of any Dublin pub. The toasties are accompanied by a small jar of Coleman's mustard. They each use their butter knives to gingerly lift the top layer of toast away from the melted cheese so they can smear in a thin layer of mustard on the underside. I bumped into Tom Brennan the other day, says Connor. How is he? asks Leo. He was giving out about Rembrandt. Why? It seems Tom paid our Rembrandt for a nixer to paint the front of his house. Let me guess, says Eddie. He didn't turn up. He turned up all right, continues Connor. He propped his ladder up against the front of the house, said he was going off to pick up his bushes and never came back. They all titter a little. His own fault for paying him up front, smiles Leo. When was this? asks Eddie. That's the thing, laughs Connor. About two months ago, Tom says the ladder is starting to rust onto the house. All three laugh. Speaking of painting, says Leo, I was watching a documentary the other night. This lord or other was talking about the great collection of Irish artistry they have over in London. Sure, they've works belonging to all sorts of countries over there, says Eddie. Yeah, the spoils of the Emperor days. Sure, they'll not be returning any of that in a hurry, says Connor. Well, Leo continues, this arse of a man, Skeffington, I think, he was on about how the paintings were better off with them than with us. Cheeky beggar, says Connor. Somebody should go over and take them back, says Eddie. I was thinking the same thing, says Leo. We could do it, says Eddie, half-jokingly. Are you serious? Because I would do it. Sure, says Eddie firmly. You lads are gas, says Connor. I see Frank needs my assistance. Connor gestures over to his pal Frank, who is waving him over as he sidles up to two young women standing by the bar. I'll see you gentlemen at the HQ in the morning. Don't start the heist without me, he laughs as he makes his way over to Frank. I think we should go over and get them. Why not us? asks Leo. Why not indeed, says Eddie, as he takes a sip from his pint. Bumpy nods to the lads from the bar as they hadn't noticed him enter. A small unremarkable man, a little dishevelled and always wearing a ragged duffel coat and a comb over. He was part of the furniture there, a quiet likeable fellow, always with a friendly smile. Ladies, this is my mate Connor. All right, asks Connor. This is Roisin and Emily, says Frank. 
Charmed, I'm sure, smiles Connor. One of the young women says, hello, while her friend smiles from beneath the rim of her glass. In Dublin speak, all right means hello. It is often used for strangers, whereas how's it going is more of a greeting for people you already know. However, and this is very important, it rarely if ever means the person asking how's it going actually wants to know the fine details of your business. As a friend once said upon returning from America, the worst thing about Americans is if you ask them how's it going, they tell you. The ladies and I were about to head to the Olympic ballroom for a bit of a dance. You coming? Certainly, beams Connor, as he notices the glad eye from Roisin. They soup up their drinks and bid farewell to one and all. As they leave with the ladies, Connor turns to Frank. New haircut? Indeed. That's a haircut capable of anything. Sure isn't that what I asked for, he smiles as they make their way out the pub door. Inside the Olympic ballroom, the music is swinging and you are met with coloured flashing lights. Frank is in full flight. Yeah, Connor here used to be a roadie for Elvis. Really? asks one of the girls, not convinced but willing to play along. Yeah, says Connor. I was with him all over America. What is he like? asks Emily. He's a nice fella, but I had to give him a few pointers. The girls scoff. No, no, continues Connor. He had a great voice, don't get me wrong, but he hadn't much stage presence. Like what? asks Roisin. Well, Connor steps away from the bar. Watch this, girls, says Frank, as Connor begins to sway his hips and jolt them from left to right mechanically. The girls laugh. I taught him that, beams Connor. He did, Frank confirms. Nobody is buying it, but it's entertaining, and that's the important thing. A dark van pulls up outside. The patrons out for a break from the music, having a smoke and a chat, know the vehicle only too well. Watch it, lads. Here's Tug and his crew. Sergeant Theo Tug Huggins is known all over the city. The bully enforcer for the well-to-do and connected in society. He appears wherever the working class are congregated to keep them under hill and show them their place. He and his crew are law unto themselves and the authorities are happy to turn a blind eye. The doormen nod. How he is sergeant, as Tug and his crew of guards shove their way past them into the ballroom, much to the relief of the people outside. As they enter the ballroom, the crowd of revellers part to make way. There's an uncomfortable hush as the carefree smiles fall from their faces. The music is still playing loud and the distracting lights are still flashing. Those further in don't know the evening is about to take a turn. Tug's crew jostle and shove as the crowd gets a little ticker. The occasional party-goer looks over their shoulder to see who's doing the pushing, but they cease any thought of protest when they see who's doing it. Connor is in full Elvis mode, head down, arms raised in a poor attempt at impersonation. He doesn't see the crowd part behind him. As Tug and his henchmen appear, the tittering from Frank and the girls fall silent. Tug stands behind Connor, his men looking on. With a jerk of his hips, Connor missteps and staggers backwards, stepping on Tug's foot. As he turns around to apologise, he is silenced by the full realisation of whose foot it is. He manages to eke out his sorry sergeant as he takes a step back and straightens himself. Having the crack, are we? asks Tug. Just a bit of a dance, replies Connor sheepishly. Just a bit of a dance, says he, says Tug, as he nods over his shoulder to his crew. Well, you've just assaulted a member of Angarda Shia Khan, which are little jive. No, sergeant, says Connor with nervous urgency. We were just having a bit of fun, says Frank, trying to assist his friend. Just a bit of fun, was it, says Tug, as he steps to Connor, looking him up and down. Let's us have a bit of fun. I'll make you an offer. You can get into the back of the van with myself and the lads and we'll take you down to the station. Or you can take a dig. How's that for a bit of fun? 
Tug looks at Roisin and Emily with a smirk and then back to Connor as his henchmen grin on behind him. Well, the dig, I'll take the dig, Sergeant, says Connor, not wanting to look Tug in the eye. Tug pulls back his arm with all his might and throws his whole being into a punch that hits Connor in the stomach, doubling him over. Frank grabs him from behind to save him from falling. Connor splutters and gasps. Tug smiles broadly and turns to his crew. That was a good one. His crew chuckle. Have a nice rest of your evening, ladies, he says to the girls. Frank steadies Connor. Tug turns to his crew. I think I saw a teddy boy on the way in. Let's bring him outside and step on his blue suede shoes. He smiles as they make their way back towards the entrance. Frank breaks the awkwardness. Not to worry, ladies. Yous look after Connor here and I'll go get us some drinks. Frank leans into Connor's ear. Are you all right? Do you want a little hug? Both of them laugh, although Connor not so heartedly. As Frank heads off to the bar, Roisin and Emily ask Connor, is he okay? Obviously not a fan of the king, smiles Connor, still holding his stomach. A little humiliated, but the lights, music and company soon begin to soothe his mood. It's early morning. A dishevelled Connor makes his way down his terrace street. He sees a local boy he knows sitting on his doorstep, alone, away from the other kids on the street who are playing just a few yards away. What's the matter, Dinny? Nobody will play with you? asks Connor. They're all annoyed because I won all their marbles, says Dinny, as he looks down to the tin of marbles resting on his lap. Maybe if you give them a few, yous can all play. But if I give all the marbles away, what's the point of playing? asks Dinny. Well, says Connor, if everyone has a few marbles, then everyone gets to play. And that's the fun, the playing, right? I suppose, says Dinny. As Connor walks away, he can hear Dinny behind him shouting, Here's marbles, yous whingy crybaz. Leo and Eddie sit in their tin hut at the council depot. There's a makeshift fire burning and a metal drum just outside. A man feeds it scraps of wood he finds lying around the yard. Connor comes through the yard gates, tucking a shirt into his waist and patting down his hair. Hello, O'Donnell, he nods to the man tending fire as he ducks into the lad's hut. O'Donnell nods a disinterested acknowledgement as he drops a wood cut into the flames. At it yourself, says Leo, as Connor enters. Eddie produces a brochure from under his leg. We were just discussing the paintings. What, the heist? smirks Connor. We're going to do it. What do you think? Are you interested? Eddie asks him. It'll be something to tell the grandchildren, smiles Leo. Connor walks a little crouched over to the teapot simmering on the stove, careful not to bump his head off the roof. Do you know what? He pauses and rubs his stomach. I'm in. Leo and Eddie let out a celebratory way. So how are we actually going to go about this? Asks Connor as he pours himself some stewed black tea into the cleanest tin cup. It'll be in and out, no messing, nothing too elaborate, says Leo. Bold as brass, adds Eddie. Quick and dirty, smiles Leo. These are the ones we are aiming for, says Eddie, as he passes the art gallery brochure to Connor. Unannounced, O'Donnell enters halfway into the hut. Eddie starts into a fake conversation for cover. So I says to the queer when I says, find it, sure I never heard of it. I'll laugh a little. Leo turns to O'Donnell. What's up? They need a painter, says O'Donnell. Give Brennan a shout. Who, Rembrandt? He does be all over the place. He's due a renaissance, says Eddie. That's just his artistry, laughs Leo. Piss artistry, mumbles O'Donnell, as he makes his way out of the hut. So this is them, asks Connor, gesturing to the brochure as he passes it to Leo. Yep, says Leo. The names of them are rather fancy. Give us that burrow. He reaches toward a nearby pen. Eddie passes it to him. The three huddle together as Leo lays the open brochure on his lap and goes through the paintings using the pen as a pointer.
These ones here are by Jack Butler Yates. This one is called The Fern in the Area. Sure, it looks like peas on a plate, says Connor. This is called The Little One. The nag more like it, says Eddie as Leo turns the page. This one is Sean Keating's Men of the South. I call it The Lads. And finally we have Mr Paul Henry's Landscape with Cottage, otherwise known as The Gaff. The three look to each other. So we're really doing it, asks Connor. Yes, says Eddie. We are all right, Leo confirms. We better get organised, so, smiles Connor.